the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions. We've got a hell of an episode today. Again, I know that I say this week in and week out, but we are extremely lucky with how many killer guests that we get. Uh, We dabble into the world of wrestling, of course. But today, we have deviated from that path. When I prepare for interviews, you know, I write a handful of things down. I put some questions together. I have like an idea of what I want to do. This interview, I had like three pages worth of questions. I could have talked to this woman for hours on hours about a plethora of different things. So you guys may be familiar with her. If not, give it a Google, but reminded it's NSFW, just so you know. We've got Lisa Ann on the show today, um, former adult film star. Uh, if you were into the whole Sarah Palin deal, the nail and Palin, that is your girl. She is on the show today. She has her own podcast called Lisa Ann Experience that you can listen to, of course, anywhere that you guys get podcasts. Um, Also on Sirius XM, she's got the Lisa Ann Does Fantasy. That's Monday evenings from 10 p.m. until 12 a.m. But you guys can check that all out on Sirius XM. Uh, She's got a book called The Life. This woman just hustles so hard in every facet of her life. And she looks amazing. She is this beacon of energy. And we did this conversation over Zoom And as like, we're getting more comfortable with talking over Zoom and that becomes like the normal way to like hang out with somebody. Yeah, I really could have asked her a bazillion questions. It was so cool because she was just so open about everything. You know, if you guys know Lisa and you know that that's what you're going to get from her anyways. But um, yeah, it was just so cool for me to ask her all these questions just about the adult film industry because I'm honestly a little bit fascinated by just how they work, how they keep things professional what the the testing situation is like, which she has been a huge advocate throughout her career to, to really keep things clean and uh, squared away in that world. So kudos to her for that. We talked wanting to be one of the, the main stage dancers, to getting into the porn world, to talking about sex education and how important that is. Because a lot of us get our sex information from porn, which can be quite deceiving pals. Anyways, Lisa is so cool. She breaks a million different things down. You guys are going to love this conversation. Let's get into it. Here she is the one, the only nail and Palin herself, Lisa Ann. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Lisa Ann here on oral sessions. I've been able to, I mean, we're only, I think this will be 23 episodes of the show, still fairly new. We're figuring it out, but I am so fucking excited for this interview. Um, I was putting together some notes yesterday and I just, I don't think I've written down as many questions as I did getting ready for this interview. So I really appreciate you taking the time to hang out with me. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I love being the 23rd episode. It's a Michael Jordan tie-in. Yes. It makes me super hype. Boom, boom, <laughs> right there. You, thank you very much for inviting me on to have this conversation. I think the connection that we're finding that we can kind of replicate through Zoom right now when we can't be meeting in person, I feel I'm more excited to meet so many people in person than I've ever been. It's almost like I've been on this worldwide 
social dating app, right? We've all just been Zooming. And I'm like, you know, I vibed with her when I was on Zoom. Like, I think I want to get a coffee with her. Maybe she likes to walk in Central Park. You know, like I'm like, you know, formulating all these little things. Yeah, you can give people a little backstory and like how you think that it would really go. Yeah, it's it's a nice little indicator. Actually, I saw where you with you were with my friend Danielle Monet the other day, weren't you? Were you guys hanging out? Yes, love her. Yes. Uh It was the first day of indoor dining in the city. So I went all in, hit three spots, was out indoor dining from noon to 11 p.m. to celebrate as if it was like um, (laughs) New Year's Day. Okay, yeah. And she was uh, in the first rotation. I met with different groups of friends as well. Yeah, I mapped things out. She's a lovely person. I really enjoy spending time with her. We went to MoMA about two months ago, um, and uh, she's just fantastic. She's great. She's got those long legs, a sassy attitude. Now that flaming red hair, I'm a fan. Big, big love big for fan. her. Big fan. Um, I know today's a big day for you. It's a beautiful day in New York, but after we're done this, you're going to write your will out? I'm actually uh, handling the legal part of this. And it's it sounds so funny, but you know, the more you realize you read about people who died that weren't married, that didn't have kids, that don't have this situation. I don't have any family. So really it's the point where like, hey, I'm hustling to save in this all this money. I could die tomorrow and nobody's gonna get it, but like the government, right? So in organizing my life, which is You know, all of 2020 for me was really about financial wellness. And it was really about, I had this extra time to learn more things, um, get introduced to a bigger understanding, do a, you know, three, five, 10 retirement plan, like with detail with, and so this has been the final step of it. So who are you leaving everything to? Where does it go? So for myself, there'll be um, some of the people who have touched my life along the way and a lot of charity. And, you know, I'm probably going to have a passive income for a period of time off of residuals and royalties. So those residuals and royalties will just go directly to charities. So you have to set up a trust. This is a very complicated thing. And it's also not cheap either, right? It's not an expense, not a cheap thing to do, but as morbid as it sounds, I just feel like it's putting the put finishing touches of me truly uh, feeling at 48 years old that I have complete control of understanding of my finances. And that's somewhere that, you know, it's hard to get. My family never spoke uh, about money with me. I really didn't have it. I, I made too much money when I just didn't deserve it. I was too young to have it. And now I really understand like, oh, you know, I, people do retire in their sixties. I'm going to be 49 in May. So yeah, the will. Um, but yeah, it's like, you got to call your friends and say, okay, so which one of you do I trust to pull the plug? Because you also have to have a health proxy. So I asked my one girlfriend, I'm like, let me ask you when you think is time. She's like, when you stop getting your nails done. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. you know, you're probably right. Cause during COVID I was like trying to find underground and I don't know what it is. There's just certain beauty things that I have to do. And you know, you, you're like, you're like black market getting your nails done, uh, you know, on the low, low for like three times as much money, but you didn't care. So, um, you know, I have a friend who I trust very much and her and her husband had just gone through this process as well. So she's very familiar with all of the lingos. So she is my person uh, to take care of me, make sure that your organs are donated, all the important things that you can be doing after and make sure I'm cremated. 
Okay. I was going to say, cause you've got to like make all of those plans. So did, once you do like the cremation, do you say like, Hey, like sprinkle my ashes wherever, or is that kind of, I haven't yet figured that out. Um, I know it's illegal this- to just sprinkle them anywhere. Right. I mean, people do it. Obviously it is. people do it, but you know what you can do? You can now get them made into things like little gemstones. Like I think it'd be cool to fleece my friends with a cool parting gift. My ashes are in there. They're by their heart, you know, whether it's a key ring, a necklace or whatever. So there's that, but yeah, you know, I've, I remember being really young and my grandmother talking to me about being cremated. And I I was surprised because the Italian culture, that's not something that we discussed, but she was French Canadian. And, uh, I said, well, well, what's your reason behind that? She was also a true environmentalist ahead of her time. And she said, well, I don't believe that I should be taking up someone else's space. You know, once I'm done enjoying my time here, you know, it was just as simple as that to her. And I was like, you know, what? that makes sense. That's my plan as well. Two really cool options that I remember reading about with cremation is having your remains uh, buried with like a plant so that it all kind of grows together in a tree or whatever. Uh, and there's another really cool one of having them pressed into a vinyl record. I don't know if you get to pick the songs that go on it or like what actually plays, but interesting. There was a family friend of mine that had these little tiny beer cans made for all of his friends and his ashes were all in them. And they all kind of kept it as a trinket at their house. It was like a, a takeaway from the service. I was like, oh, like a favor. Take a little piece of me with you. Well, it's cool that you're getting that done. I mean, as I was doing my research to get ready for this interview, I mean, you hustle, you get everything done. It seems like you don't leave any card unturned. I try not to. Uh, I feel fortunate to be able to create and find all of these different opportunities and communicate with so many different people. I have a lot of energy, so I do work a long day. When I take time with my friends, though, my phone is not in my hand. I am not on my social media and I am present in that moment. But I'll grind for like 30 days straight and see no one. And then go and hang out with friends for a couple of days, then come back to this. I just finished writing my second book and that was really a a huge grind. And I'd rather write about something other than myself, but you know, you're discovering yourself and there's so many things you want to share with people that you connect with. And, you know, so yeah, just finished over the weekend. So book number two. Is it a memoir? Yeah, well, actually, I wrote my first one that covered up until about 2014. And this one covers 2015 to 2020. Because I think, you know, getting out of the business and like entering the real world and not being in the bubble of people that all did the same thing as me was was quite jarring at first. Um, And it took me a while to really get a grasp of it and be like, okay, I can manage this. And you have to understand like the six foot rule, the COVID, the empty streets for me has been like, oh my gosh, people aren't in my grill asking me for photos or touching me or asking me. And I'm like, so it's been a little dreamy for me. Oh, that's amazing. So when does the book come out? Do you have a release date yet? Or you've like just finished a manuscript and now it's a whole editing process. It's an editing process right now, but probably by summer. But yeah, I do hustle because, you know, life's short, right? And it's something I'm a, I could be considered a workaholic, but I only hustle on things that I love doing. So I don't really consider watching sports so that I can talk sports on fantasy sports radio 
uh, really work. Not or, a bad gig. Yeah, it's not a bad <laughs> gig. So there's a lot of things that I do that I really enjoy. So I don't mind working long days. So your whole career is fascinating to me. So you got into the porn industry in 1994, were active for several years, took a break, then came back. So you were about 22 years old when you first started, right? Yeah, but I've been dancing and working in clubs in Philadelphia in the Northeast area, New Jersey, where um, I was starting to shoot some solo content and starting to work with people in the Northeast before I got out West. So it's been in my life since I was 16 to be in a strip club working. Uh, That was really the next step to be able to get out on the road as a feature entertainer and continue to dance, but really see the world. I was so envious of the feature dancers that came in. I was like, Oh my God, these girls are going to a different state every weekend and they're seeing a different city and sightseeing. And it was just magical to me. So what are like the strip club hotspots? Like what are the, like the best places to be? Cause I always hear Montreal has like the best strip clubs that that's like one of the great people go on their their bachelor parties and all that montreal is amazing the women are beautiful and they really take care of themselves and the standard is high so you're not getting those like randoms but <laughs> you know it really depends it depends on the seasons you know like california is just not a great place to dance and san francisco is just too loose the guys can sit there and masturbate while you're on stage no so yes some of the clubs they can and when you know no one tells you that You're like, oh, well, that was, you know, that was some, that was information when the bouncer was telling me my way around, he should have let me know. You know, when you're going into places like Lexington, Kentucky, or, you know, it's amazing because you're so famous and and also people are really friendly and, you know, it's usually just great. So it was fun. I mean, I, I danced in every state except Alaska, the only state I never got to dance in, but I finally got to go to Alaska. So I've been to every state in the U.S., did you get to go to Alaska like as Sarah Palin? Because I feel like that goes hand in hand, right? Sadly, I did not. You know, none of the clubs in Alaska would have me because they felt there were too many people that just loved Sarah Palin and that it could cause a riff and they were not about that life, right? Not at all. But when I was there, I did stop in Wasala and took a <laughs> sign by the welcome to Wasala. You know, I had to. What a, yeah. what a fun that was. I'm going to make like a weird kind of wrestling connection here. I'm coming from the wrestling world. I'm not a wrestler, but I know that often wrestlers have to like change what their matches are depending on what the crowd is going to be in different states. Is that something you have to do when you're dancing as well? Do you change up your routine depending on where you're going to be? I mean, you have to feel the room, you know, I would go in a couple hours early, feel the room, you know, do you want your music to be the same as everybody else's or do you want to play something totally different? I mean, in some places you're definitely going to stick to classic rock or hard rock as opposed to going hip hop. In other places you throw on Rage Against the Machine and everybody's like, what, what? Is it Atlanta? You know what I mean? Like what's going on? So um, you do, you do mix it up a bit, but it was always fun kind of feeling out that room. The next time you're watching basketball, I've got the perfect way for you to get in on the action for free. I'm talking about NBA in play. It's absolutely free to play on the FanDuel app and features all the fun of live betting. NBA in play turns every quarter of every game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcome of plays and game props before they happen to claim your share of the prize pool. Best of all, a new contest starts every quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA in-play, so the action's always available right at your fingertips on the FanDuel app. The app is so easy to use and it takes less than two minutes to sign up. 
And it doesn't matter where you live or where you're traveling to because NBA InPlay is available in every state. Don't miss your shot. Get in the game and download the FanDuel app to start playing NBA InPlay today. So who was the first person that like took you under your wing? You started young. I mean, as you said, started dancing at 16, getting into the porn industry at like 22, which is still young to be like finding yourself, finding your confidence. Who saw you and kind of swooped you up and protected you and helped you out? Uh, it was really a combination of a bunch of women that I met at Al's Diamond Cabaret, the featured dancers like Christy Canyon and Lena. And Christy Canyon and I are still friends. And I met her when I was 18 years old. So like our friendship is so special to me. But they introduced me to a guy. His name was Peter Davey. And Peter Davey took a, you know, a specific girl and he would help with the companies, the introductions, because I wanted a contract. I knew that I wanted a contract because I wanted to shoot one movie a month. I wanted to be on the box cover of that movie. I wanted, you know, all of these things because I knew that would raise my value as a feature dancer, end goal feature dancer. I would interview the women and this was a priority to me. So he helped shop me around. So I didn't do any hardcore sex until I had a contract, but there were a lot of odd jobs I could do when I first got out there for a couple months, shoot for magazines, shoot solo stuff. So at that point, I was kind of on my own. He was lovely and took great care of me. Um, but once you get out there, you realize everybody's out doing their own things. So you almost had them as more of a captive audience than when they were in your club as a house girl. So uh, you just kind of find your way. And in the 90s, the industry was small. You know, my first day in L.A., uh, it was a 4th of July. I bought a one-way ticket. It was my first flight I ever took. Um, I was super excited. Peter picked me up in a Rolls Royce. He was a baller. Um, Did so you have to like go awesome. down into the valley? Like the valley is like the big oh hub, right? We went over Beverly Hills and into the valley to Tarzana. And I just remember just looking at all the strip malls thinking, holy fucking shit. How do you please <laughs> self-stay in business? There's a nail salon on every corner. Yeah. And I realized... You need a nail salon. I forgot. This is Los Angeles. Yes. Okay? So, and we went to a party that night. And that night, 4th of July, a porn party, pretty much every single buddy that was anybody in the business was there. And he walked around and introduced me to everybody. It was just such a smaller, more family-like community. Before the internet, there wasn't the need for as much content as there is now. So the industry allowed itself to be very selective. Who was bringing people in? How are we getting to know them? Who is introducing them to people? It wasn't just like you walked in like you did now and said, I'm 18, I want to do porn. I already have an OnlyFans. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like that. So I'm really glad that I got to see that last bit of the late 80s, 90s, going into before the internet because it was such a fun fun adventure at that age. I was talking to my husband about this last night. Cause I was like rattling off some of the questions to him that I wanted to talk to you about. He's like, yeah, you should ask about the, like how things progress from people buying VHS tapes to then things going to the internet. Like do true porn stars still exist? Is it harder to become a true porn star because there's so much content now? Yeah, I think it's a bit harder. I also think there's less need for branding because everything's on the internet. So you might not really know that this girl shoots a lot for Brazzers and she's really popular. Whereas years ago, every girl that was beautiful had a contract and the companies locked her in and they did, they did buses wrapped with you at AVN. They did all this promotion. It was like this grandiose thing, you know, they did release parties. So I just think that that no need for that additional luster has made it a bit harder. So, and each girl now has her own individual thing. So it's just really harder to lock down and define it. When it comes to VHS, you know, when 
men and women had to go into adult bookstores where the little curtained off areas. I remember them. I did sightings at them. I love them. They're so creepy. <laughs> and there'd be a brown bag, your your stuff would be, and it really made you feel dirty to be there. And so when someone would see you somewhere and recognize you, they were much more like to look at you and be coy and look away, right? Whereas the internet has created this disconnect where it's so connected. It's in my hand. This has to be real. This girl does this all day. I know she does because I watch her do it all day. She does this all so good. <laughs> and uh, so now they're more forward. So that's really changed. But I remember funny things like VHS really sucked to travel. Oh my God. You Would you have to have a separate bag for it? Well, I would put them in cases, but your bags would get smushed and then they would crumple, right? They weren't easy packaging. And also if they x-rayed your vid, your box, your packages, there was a chance that the it would affect the film uh, and then it would be blank. So you'd go to the club, you'd sell 30. The second night, all of them would come back because they're all blank, right? And I can remember the first time I saw a physical DVD at a porn distribution center. I was like seeing it for the first time. They're showing me like, this is what the sleeve is going to look like. And you can pull this out to sign it. I'm like, oh my God, I could put a Polaroid in there and I could put marketing material in there. Oh my God, I could pack so many more of these and they're not going to get damaged, right? Right away, my mind was like dollar sign. I used to pack 25. I can now pack a hundred. I'm looking at the dimensions of it compared to the, the box. But when those VHSs were out, those packaging, they shot that a totally separate day. It was a more expensive photographer, a different hair, different makeup, a wardrobe. Like it was such an event to shoot 12 box covers a year as a contractor. All Like you wanted to go out that night. You felt you were most fabulous. They fussed over you all day for like an hour's worth of photos. You were getting ready for five hours, but they were so glamorous. And it also prevented you from really getting recognized because there was no way I could ever make myself look like that. So with so much hair and all of this so when you went out, you actually had this second life for a long time. I just lived for probably my first 10 years in California. I lived a total double life. Wow. That's crazy. Okay. So going back to what you were saying before about like wanting to shoot a movie a month, and then that was going to be the thing that led to you being a featured dancer. So being the featured dancer is like the goal more so than sure. being the porn star. Yeah, because the feature dancer gets me out and allows me to travel. You know, a very simple goal of mine was always to travel and see the world. Um, it keeps things adventurous because you're always walking into a club and learning a new system and scouting out the new girls. And how is this going to, you know, you really learn how to be a good businesswoman when you have to adapt a lot. And you have to succeed. It's almost like walking into a game show and having to get together as a team and say, I play with you for a week. We all have to get along. We have to share the bathroom. We all have to share money. How's this going to work out? That's got to be a scary environment walking into a dressing room like that and fighting for your space or being the featured girl and everyone's like kind of at your throat, I would imagine. And if the girl that was there before you wasn't pleasant, you know, or wasn't nice to them or something went wrong, there was always a lot. So I enjoyed that challenge, you know, with the industry, I was always smart enough to know that the less movies I shot, the less risk I was putting my health at. Okay. Because when I started, we had to watch this, this VHS tape about all the different STDs. And listen, I'm glad I watched it, but the agents actually had it removed from part of the substance of any sort of training because it did freak. Like there were 10 people sitting down to watch this at the end of it, there were two left. I mean, it was all about, you know, what they had just gone through with HIV and, but it also taught me how to spot STDs and how to take good care of myself. So 
you know, to me, it was limiting risk, right? If I can make one big production, that makes you more exclusive. So you were able to get more money because you weren't going to shoot for anybody else. I'm out on the road two to three weekends a month. And the rest of the time I'm at the beach, like this is perfect. So I, I really made it work for me in a sense where, you know, the road has endless opportunity because you make additional money, you make your tips, you make your sales. You know, there's a lot of additional income to be made on the road that could be, you know, long-term money where you're living off of your contract money. So I always kind of, kind of divided it that way. And I loved being on the road and sightseeing and seeing every zoo and every, like every, everything I made sure I saw. That is one of those things that I always love doing on the road to popping into all the zoos. Now not being on the road, it does take a sec to like adjust to not being at the airport and having your hotel routine. It's weird. It's been about, uh, I guess almost a year for me now because of the pandemic, but yeah, it takes a while to like really adjust to that. Like regular life, your food in your fridge stays good for, you know, you can actually go grocery shopping, just doing those like regular day-to-day things. Yeah. You're wondering like, when am I packing? Where's my toiletry bag? When do I need to get my shit together? But the food in the fridge thing is funny because when you're on the road, you buy this like minimal supply because you don't want anything to go bad. You don't want to forget it's in there. And then it's weird two weeks later. And you do, you're always just like rashing out of this weird amount of food. And then one day you're like, Oh, I can fill my fridge. I'm going to be here forever. Like stuff that I don't need all like pantry. Okay. But yeah, the road was always really so incredible for me because it got me out. And I feel like I really learned a lot about myself traveling. Okay. So you mentioned the, the like STDs and the testing and all of that. How does that work? Is it like a, a monthly thing? Do people just show up and randomly test you? How does that work? So we have testing centers within the industry that all work together to communicate so that there's online records that could be found that's green if you're tested and you're good to go or red if maybe you're not tested or you have a bad test. And with that, it's every two weeks, everyone is testing for HIV, um, syphilis, uh, gonorrhea, chlamydia, hepatitis. And a lot of these things have evolved over time. Now, when I got in the industry, there was one testing center. There was no internet. So you carried your test. It was like a 90-day test. Then it went to 60 days. Then it went to 30. Um, but it had this gold seal on it. And so guys were literally like washing it in the jeans of their pants. They'd show up and said, like, this is my test. You'd really have to kind of believe it. And the testing center itself was in Venice. It was just in this shady fucking area, like a place where I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to die of an infection just from going in here. And I can remember yeah. there is not a more clear moment than me and Peter Davey. And I remember what I was wearing because he took me to Venice Beach. He buttered me up by saying, we'll go to Venice Beach. And I have these little pictures. I'm wearing like this little cute, really little thing. So I was still just dressing like I was in Pennsylvania. And I remember standing in that rocky parking lot and looking at this building and looking at him. And me thinking like, I have to get used to doing this. Like, this is going to be the rest of my life. If I do this for a living, like if I, if I can't do this now, I just can't, I, I went through all fucking this and I can't do this. And I remember just thinking like, yeah, I don't know if I can go in that place. looks disgusting. He's like, well, you better get used to it. And I went in there and you do, you get used to your blood getting taken. Um, for myself, I also would say, okay, so we get tested every two weeks when I was shooting my last couple of years in the business and this last visit back, um, I would just require a fresh test from my performer and the guys usually loved it because then they got to ride that test the next two weeks, but you can go 24 hours in advance. My credit cards would be down at the testing center and they're testing on my account. Then they get a fresh test. And the next morning I know that they haven't been working with other people before they worked with me. Cause you, at one point, I believe that one person, you were like a little iffy on their test. And then you started kind of working with like some of the unions and the testing and getting everything 
Yes, we had a performer who uh, was being shady about his test. We actually had two in a, spirit, in a span of six months. And it just so happened that from the conversations that I was hearing and my failed attempts to book scenes with one of the performers, I realized like something's up here. And so with the other performer who was testing out at a center that isn't one that's in our in our range of like acceptable testing centers, which he was saying was more convenient for him, but that testing center wasn't testing for hepatitis and he had hepatitis. So we had one performer with syphilis who knew he had syphilis, one performer with hepatitis who knew he had hepatitis. And so, you know, it takes somebody to just say like, I know the business might be shut down for 30, 60 or 90 days, but we all need to stop working and retest because obviously these people have been in the testing pool. And so at that point I became, you know, really aggressive with not only reminding talent to be more present with looking at their tests and checking the IDs. Cause you know, somebody's stage name, but you maybe don't know their real name. And so you could just look at a test and it's not theirs either. So a lot of different things, but yeah, adding syphilis on the regular onto a test was something I, how, how I bought to add also adding hepatitis onto the test was something I bought to add. So up until last year, I thought to add a second layer of an HIV blot because now what we're seeing is performers um, can be medicating and come in and show no viral load, less than 20%, 0.2, but no viral load on the test. And we still think there should be informed consent or you're letting the other performer know. So there's that gray area. And at that gray area, you really can't ask in all the state of California, uh, it's considered disabilities. You can't ask somebody if they're HIV positive. So you have to go through. So I was like, okay, let's just add another test to be sure that we would see. Um, but yeah, that was something important to me. And always an important thing that I remind young people in general, like find a local testing center and just get tested regularly. You're sexually active. It's not a big deal. Okay, if you once in a while have sex with a condom, I'm not going to freak out on you. Shit happens, right? But when you make that choice, then you got to follow it up with a, with an action. So go and get yourself a test. There's so many places that are 24 hour. There's endless options, but staying tested is part of making sure that if you did make a bad decision, you're not spreading it to someone else and that you're taking care of yourself. So I'm a big advocate of just like, just have as much sex as you absolutely want to. Just try and be as careful as possible. You know, look yeah. at you. It worked for you. You're having a baby. Here I am. Oh, and behold, (laughs) everyone look out. It happens. I assure you, slip one past a goalie and bam. Listen, one of my favorite expressions is better late than pregnant because there's never that (laughs) more stressful time of those two days when you're late, especially with the dude you don't really want to talk to or tell. You're like, oh God, I can't carry his spawn. No, that's got to be really scary. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that obviously has happened, right? Yeah. I mean, you always think it's going to be worse. Look, yeah, I made it this far. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> Oral Sessions is proud to be presented by FanDuel. You guys never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Uh, why do I play FanDuel? I play FanDuel because I'm new to the fantasy game. And I kind of need somebody to hold my hand through the whole process. And the thing with the FanDuel Fantasy app is that it's so incredibly easy to use. Even a dum-dum like me can make it work. And if you happen to be a fence sitter like yours truly, you guys can pick a new team every single game. You can switch it up. You can change your mind. It's all up to you. Ball is in your court. So FanDuel is offering new users a deposit match of up to 500 smackaroos 
when you make your first deposit. Just go to fanduel.com slash cowherd for more info. Fanduel.com slash cowherd. Fanduel, more ways to win. Watching myself back on TV, I don't do it that often. I feel like once I film something, I'm not inclined to go back to watch it. because I'm like, it felt good in the moment. I feel good about it. Do you do that to go back and critically watch your work? So I didn't really do it much until I started my own production company. And then of course you have to look at it for critical detail. You want to have final cut. You want to be involved. You absolutely hate yourself uh, for most of the actual viewing of it. Cause you see angles you don't like, but I will tell you this. The second I started watching myself was the second I became more diligent about everything on camera to the point where when I started doing scenes and being very mindful of my positioning. So there'd be no creases. So there wouldn't be a weird thing. So my toe would be pointed. I would feel like I did intense yoga during sex for an entire hour. And I would be so sore the day after, but I would then watch that scene. I'd be like, you did it. You were showing off your triceps. You had all this going on. I could see your back muscles. It hurt like fuck the whole time, but I could watch it. So that helped me. But yeah, I mean, but then later you know, there's some guys that I've hang, hang out with here and there. And sometimes we'll watch a scene together, which I find is really fun. But for me, preferably, I watch foreign porn where no one speaks English. and The words are dubbed in very little dialogue. I love Mark Dorsell's movies. Those are my favorite. And then I don't really know as many of the performers kind of ruined it. You know, you see somebody, you know. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, yeah. You know, people on a personal level, you're like, this guy's a dork. I don't actually want to watch him bang anybody. Or you've had a good experience or a bad experience or they're too close to a friend. Like once you're close friends and people in the business, you're like, yeah, I, I can't, I can't. It's awkward to work with you now. You know, like yeah. you girlfriends, if you're not having sex with them off camera in an intimate setting and you just become like besties, the next one day you're on set together and you're like, this might be cute for photos. This just is no longer cute. <laughs> That's got to be so weird. Cause I mean, I imagine, I mean, I feel like I just keep like making parallels between porn and wrestling. I mean, obviously I know they're different, but like we all spend so much time together that people become yeah. like family members. So I can't yes. imagine. Yeah. That's like just such an interesting uh, relationship to have with somebody to like be professional and be like, well, here we go. We're doing it. Or do you just say, no, I, I'm not doing it. Oh, you would always complete any mission that was in front of you first, but then you can plan moving forward. It's the same with male performers. You know, there've been male performers throughout the years I loved working with, but eventually our sexual styles go in different ways. I mean, you know, you got to look at it like sports and there's offense and defense, right? So, you know, there's different challenges. And I think for guys, they shoot a lot more scenes than female performers for the most part. So if they're shooting five days a week, you know, they sometimes tend to get a little bit more aggressive or maybe it's the director that they're working for 10 days a month. That's a little bit more of aggressive style. So eventually we'll work together one day and I'll be like, you know what? We're just on the same sexual style anymore. You know what I mean? Like, this is not my jam. And we're still great friends and I would still recommend them to other people. But when you can no longer turn it off, then, then I worry, you know, if it gets too aggressive for me, like I'm a willing participant. Um, let's not be aggressive here. I don't need any marks on my body. No, get your bruises out of here. I don't need a thumbprint <laughs> on me. Or treat me like print. a little flower. I, I treat me like a flower. Yeah, okay? be I, know I, I know I have a tough exterior, but you know, romance me. Has anything awkward like that? Or have you done anything awkward on set of like saying something weird? Or you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that or done that. No, because you're really mindful. 
We do, unless it's dialogue that's written out okay. for us. But during sex, you know, if you're doing a good scene and when you're enjoying doing scenes and when you're only doing the work that you want to be doing, like you can't be doing scenes for money and really achieve the same feeling of falling into the moment. You know, for me, the scene was always the extra because I always had the money from dancing. So the scene was something I wanted to do. And I kind of fall into the day, you know, when I go on set, my phone was always off. Like the world could have blown up and I'm not going to look at the news. Like I'm going to stay in this moment right here. (laughs) And I like to chat with the crew a bit while they're setting up. You're in makeup. You know, the makeup artists are always such lovely women because they always want you to be so comfortable. You know, you've done it. You've met a stranger makeup artist and she made you feel like a million bucks. They touched your face. Like they're such special. It's intimate right off the bat. Yeah. And you know, I don't like a lot of guys touching my face. So unless we're intimate with each other, like in a scene, I never let guys touch my face. They always do that with my thing. Don't touch my face. Uh, especially if you have a lube on your face, it could break out, but I don't want you touching no. my face. So, you know, I would fall in that moment. You put some music on and really think about, you know, how absolutely liberating it is that this is a legal job in the United States. Now, mind you, yes, there is still a lot of public shame that comes along with taking this approach in life. Still, people do feel you are a whipping post for the rest of your life. But I remember a friend saying to me when I was like 26 years old, he goes, you better fucking save your money because this world's going to treat you like shit when this is all said and done. And I remember him saying that to me and thinking, oh my God, that's so harsh. But you know what? He was so right. Do you think it's still like that? I mean, obviously you've been able to have a career outside of that industry. I mean, you've done really well for yourself. I'm doing very, very well, but there's still, you know, an endless hour of deleting nasty comments from social media profiles every day, all day, seven days a week. You know, there's still, you know, the opportunity, if it presents itself, a lot of people will take it. And I think hesitantly about posts because I'm like, what's the first obnoxious response this could Maybe I'm not going to send it at all. I'm just going to delete. I'm going to go do something else, you know? So um, there's still a lot of that, right? I think especially getting into like the world of sports, which can be a fairly stiff environment that has been, you know, pretty blue collar for a very long time run by the same people that have been running things for a very long time. As much as you have such a successful career right now, I'm sure you had to work really hard to get people to, to see you in this new light in this male dominated environment that they're like, Oh yes, I know her. Like that must've been really hard for you. I will honestly say, I don't know if it was karma or if it was good luck, but I actually got super blessed when I met my boss, Matt Deutsch from fantasy sports radio and met everyone at Sirius XM sports department. Everyone was just really welcoming to me and everyone really treated me like an equal off the bat. Like we've come to you with this idea. You've come to us with, you want to do it. Let's see how this works out. And I remember my friend saying to me, you know, you just got to be so good after this year contract that they can't fire you. So whatever you got to do, however much studying, however many players you got to memorize, you, you have to fucking do this so well. And, and, but within that same realm now, everyone below them in the sports departments and other channels and other things has been the same. Like this world is the reason I moved from Los Angeles to New York city, December of 2019, full time. This world has embraced me in a totally free and like, Hey, if she does her thing, she's on time. She's reliable. She's great. Who are we to say? What is it to us? And I've heard them defend me to other people. I've seen them defend me on social media. And it's really just been like, yeah, it's been, it's more the tacklers. Like 
I feel the people that are the most vile to me are just plain the most sexually starved, right? They're lacking intimacy and not getting sex. So they're really envious of how is this possible? How is this person existing? How is it acceptable? They're having none. So they're hating on me for it. They're projecting. And the reason I ask that too is because like, I find even coming from the wrestling world, in me working in sports is I often get that where they're like, you work in wrestling. It's not a real sport. It's not this. It's not that, that I get typecast because of that, that I've had to battle a lot to try to like earn my space outside of the wrestling world because it's, you know, it's not so much anymore, but like I said, the same people have been running things for such a long time that it's like the, the black sheep of sports that people just sort of have this preconceived notion of who you are, what you're going to bring to the table that I feel like I've been swimming upstream with that the whole time. And when I first started working in wrestling, I remember um, the head of one of the sports networks in Canada was like, no one will ever take you seriously. You'll never work in this industry. Like just laying that on me. And I was like, well, fuck it. I don't really want to be taken seriously anyway. So I don't really give a shit, but yeah, I mean, they just really wanted to like put me in a box of who I was. It's very frustrating. You know, when people say things like that, I always wonder, do you have children? Because if you do, would you ever want anybody in the workspace talking to your child this way? It's so, it's so bashing. You know, I posted a photo on my Facebook uh, yesterday, uh, my personal Facebook, which I follow like 30 people. So my photos only get like seven likes, which is really awesome because, you know, the rest <laughs> of it's, but um, and it's me in fifth grade. I was on the cover of my local newspaper. The newspaper came into my classroom and shot a photo of me because I had just won a statewide creative writing contest. And it was such a big deal. And, you know, my, you, you got the photo, the five by seven or eight by 10, they mailed it to you. I still have that original, the newspaper clipping. And it was, it was such a big deal to my family. And I realized that was probably the tipping point for me because I didn't have teachers that understood my creativity and understood that I probably was kind of pushing ahead a little bit and needed to be doing more. And if I got bored, I was going to do things like stick my metal hair barrette in the receptacle in the corner, like, like <laughs> just shit like that. Um, what I realized is, you know, that level of curiosity, I think a lot of people stunt that. And if you allow it to stunt you, my dedication to my second book, is going to all of my teachers who wrote in red ink, Lisa talks too much on all of my report cards. Okay, fuck all of you. Because now I talk for a living, like this is real. So I think with you, somebody saying like that, something like that can be so stunting, right? We all be more mindful. It's scary, it makes you nervous. You're like, am I never gonna work? Maybe they're right. What if they are right? It is scary. Here's what was very different for me. I couldn't believe I got this job and was walking into a building where I had a badge as is. <laughs> yeah. I never even had to do my own payroll anywhere. I didn't even know to do payroll. You know, the, this was such a, like, I can't believe this is happening that I probably wasn't looking around and listening as much as you were, as you were walking into this opportunity. I was just like, oh, I've got to do this and I've got to do this really well. And I've got to learn, you know, I didn't know fantasy sports at all. I just knew sports. So I just had to learn about all the drafts and all that all of it. And, um, I just did it, but you know, we all have to be more mindful to not say shit like that to people. Um, but I've had people repeatedly say things to me in my life that you later look back on. That was unnecessary and so not positive. Yeah. F off for real. How has dating been for you? The whole lay of it. I feel like people probably have such a, a certain expectation of you when they want to date you. 
or the pressure of getting into bed with you. And like, they must have performance stress. So believe it or not, that's never an issue for me in my personal life because I'm actually really good at the interaction part of things. So if I do meet a stranger, I can normally tell very quickly whether he would panic or not. Like I I normally, there's just a way we're making eye contact, a calmness. I can tell that much, but I've always had, you know, a nice group of men in my life that have been in my life. You know, I was married in my twenties. I got divorced uh, in my early thirties. And so since then, he's the only guy I've ever lived with. He's the only like really serious, like seven years we were together. So I just have this nice group of like, as long as you're single, we can hang out. I don't want to be anybody's side girl or cheating or anything negative. That's bad karma. Um, it's always been very simple. I have my favorites. Um, there's been a top one for like 10 years. Um, but it's also casual. There's just been this ongoing conversation with my friends, with the guy that I'm close with now, as we say, (laughs) (laughs) that, you know, you are dating, you're, you're dating ish. Well, these are all people I know. So what we're thinking is that after this whole, we think New York city is going to be like the 1920s. Right. And we think that everyone should probably consider if you're not locked into a relationship that's been long-term try and be single, like this is like a fresh fucking start. So I may want to clear the bench and do some off season acquisitions once, uh, all of this kind of, you know what I'm saying? So, but yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I don't meet strangers anymore, no matter what. This has to be somebody that knows somebody through somebody. I normally like them to like kind of come to the first kind of get together. Like, I like to do, meet people at a group setting first, but luckily um, I've had so much great sex in my life that at any time I can just go online and relive a moment that I'll never be able to duplicate. Wow. That's Interesting. I feel like you would be like almost envious of yourself to be like, oh, I had that magic moment. How can I get that back? Not envious, absolutely proud because I don't know if I'll get that back. Right. So if I didn't do it, then what's it going to be like? We're not going to be as reckless. I'm sure there's people on dating apps. Don't get me wrong. That would never be my jam. But um, so, yeah, I just, I just want to know what it's like because it's something I've never been able to do where I've just been out with friends and maybe somebody else is out with friends and we just start a conversation. Like I want to know what it's like to meet a stranger and then go on a date with them. I've also never done that. I've never dated someone. I've never, I've never had a one night stand. I've done many of those. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's great. I've just never been in that situation. I've always been in like these monogamous relationships. I'm I'm married now. My husband, I've been together for seven years. Um, But yeah, I've never had a, I've never gone on a blind date. I've never had a one night stand, but I feel like those are things that adults should experience and traveling on the road with security as a porn star is like the best shit in the world because your security can walk up the one night stand. The one night stand can feel fear and know that the security <laughs> guy is your right next door. You have this one night stand. The guy never had your phone number. He only has your security guy's phone. I like the whole thing. I can remember I called my last tour on the road, the horror tour. I was like, I've got to soak all of this up because I don't like bringing dudes to my house. And I don't want to go to some random guy's house for the safety reasons, right? You want to get to know us. Hotels are fantastic, you know? So always get the double beds because you want to have sex in one and you want to sleep in the other. I like clean sheets, okay? (laughs) I like clean sheets. That's amazing. It's true. You, I mean, those are things that happen when you're in a hotel room. Married, I get it. I get you'll it. lay in the dirty sheets of both your, your relationship, but the one <laughs> night sure. stand, fuck that. I want his shit out of my room and I do not want to touch those sheets again. Okay. 
That's amazing. Um, okay. So I was listening to a podcast recently that had a sex expert on and they were talking about how, um, how, I mean, most people get their sex information as they're teenagers and getting into those exploratory years, you gather all of your information from porn, but that can be very misleading, obviously. Uh, I mean, if, you know, dudes think that sex is supposed to be one way, women think sex is supposed to be one way, but the way that the, the female orgasm can be portrayed in film, do you think that that is something that I also, I should point this out. There's a little asterisk next to this that I don't really watch a ton of porn. So I could be asking a very stupid question, but do you think that the female orgasm needs to be portrayed differently in porn than it is? Well, let's, let's, there's a lot to unpack there. I really love you. Let's start with porn education. Something that I didn't grow up with, right? Because uh, there may have been magazines we broke into my dad's cherry closet, but we were afraid to touch them. You know, it may have been, but it wasn't like the access to the amount of graphic and intense content that's on the internet. You know, it was a magazine. The woman's legs weren't even spread in the seventies. You know what I mean? She had so much bush, you could barely see her fucking knees. Right here, we were kind of experiencing things on their, on our own, which makes me sad for young people who go down the rabbit hole. My big, biggest message to everyone is as soon as you're giving your kid an iPhone, like, would you let your kid walk out of your apartment in the city and leave without telling you where they were going, how they were going to be long, uh, look both ways before crossing. Don't talk to strangers. Call me if you need, no, but you're letting them go on the internet without any guidance and there's appropriate conversations to have. What's happening is we're seeing this generation being very desensitized to actual intimacy and not really know what it's like to just give somebody a kiss and then not see them for a couple of days. And then like wonder, oh my God, we're going to see each other. Can we get a kiss? Because everything is just bam. And there's no foreplay in these scenes anymore. There's really not much kissing and it depends what style, like I can fuck a new guy and know exactly what content he watches. 100% what his brand of style of internet watching is by how he has sex. And so I think, for younger women, it's they're a little bit more afraid because these guys think that's the only way they can make a girl orgasm as loud as she orgasmed in the scene because we're stunt people. We're actors. On a Tuesday, your girl doesn't want to be DP'd, okay? <laughs> we got paid a lot for that scene, okay? And I always tell, like, when young kids come up to me and they're young, I have, you know, young 10, 11, 12, 13 year old. And I won't take pictures with anybody who's under 18, even when I'm dressed. Like, I'm just like, you know, and I always say to them, just so you know, pretty much everything you see up there on the internet, it's never going to fucking happen. <laughs> Don't ask a girl like, because there's consent issues. And so what we need to add in the U S with some countries like New Zealand, who's very forward thinking, I just went to Turkey to start sexual education in Turkey, which is something they've never even offered. But I think we wow. need to add porn. You're doing that? Yeah, I just, I got to go, by the way, my passport stamp in 2020 was orgasmic. Okay. Talk about not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I right? that. So, um, you know, I think we need to add porn education into sex education in schools. I think that's really the next step, right? Because what we want to, what we want to explain is, First of all, these performers are all tested for HIV two weeks or less. They're also tested for these. This is why they're not wearing condoms. That should be the first conversation. You know, the second conversation is consent. 
you know, these performers all knew what they were going to do. They filled out paperwork. They got paid. Okay. We need, we need to teach them that this is a business instead of a, a real believable fantasy, because by the way, younger men have approached me in the past 10 years versus 20 years before it's, they are shocked that I don't want to have sex with them. They are absolute. They believe everything. They believe the bang bus in Miami is real. They believe that we just pick up random dudes on the side of the street and fuck dudes. Um, they're tested. They've been, they've been at the office. We have to prove they're 18. You have to do government IDs. We have to do two, two, five, seven. Like this is, so I think porn education would really help that. And then I think conversations about consent, you know, having some time to actually talk about limits is really, really important because the way these scenes start, they always finish. There's never a foreplay, stop touching, kissing. So it gets aggressive fast. And I think that's scaring young women off from sex. And that's why we're seeing younger people having less sex. Really? Is that, is that a thing? It's a thing. The younger generation is I always hear about kids in like elementary than- school, like giving out BJ's and shit. I'm They're like, doing oh my God. That stuff. BJ's hand jobs and masturbating. That's their okay. specialty. Yeah. Um, okay. But, you know, they're feverish masturbators and they're so <laughs> concerned that their penis is not as big as the guy's penis that they're watching for six hours a day. And so their penis insecurity is incredible. You, you know, I. I recycle content on OnlyFans. So I take all the library of that out and I, and I recycle this, right? My DMs are flooded with young guys that all they want to do is pay me to tell me that their dick is big enough. They want dick rating pics, okay? And I write back. I don't charge them. I'm not rating your dick. But I write back like, yo, bro, have some fucking swagger. Have some confidence. Like you're putting so much fucking hope in your dick, the thing that's probably going to come out of your pants once a week if you're lucky, they're that insecure because the comparison that they have yeah. is so unrealistic. Yeah. I don't want anyone to feel that way, but I feel like women spend so much time comparing ourselves to other women. I mean, just in fucking magazine covers or on TV, film, whatever, that for men to have the like, oh, I saw this guy's dick and it's much bigger than mine. That like, I'm I, I'm sort of happy that they feel the same way. Okay, you know what else you would be happy about? So on the average day, I listen to between eight and 10 hours of sports radio. So it, it helps me just stay in tune with everything that's going on. I'm covering baseball, basketball, and, and off-season football right now. So always listening. If you listen to sports radio for all day, the commercials that you hear the most are about dick enhancement, uh, Roman, uh, all the things that they need. And yeah. it makes me realize like, huh, this is a real issue for you guys. You guys are really worried about your fucking getting hard. Okay, this is good. To They're know. worried about getting bald and hard. Give me some hymns and a 7 Eleven wiener pill. You got it. So, the evolution or perhaps de evolution to maybe evolution again of the pubes. Where do you stand on the pube situation? Uh, my personal style at this current time, uh, I have a nice bush that I keep nicely trimmed. I like to trim it about probably every four days. Uh, I also will tweeze it to make sure that it has the shape oh, that, that I want. Oh, that's horrible. Well, just the certain ones that I don't want to throw off the nice shape of it. I'm afraid if I take the razor, I'll go too far. I don't trust myself. You know, you hack one side, then you go in next thing you know, you have a landing strip. You're like, I'm 48 with a fucking landing strip. This This doesn't work. So I'm a believer of shaving your body every day. Yes. Every day. Because it's like, it's like hope, right? Somebody might touch you. You're married. I'm, I'm married and I'm pregnant. So honestly, I don't know what's happening anywhere in my body right now. I don't have a clue. It goes back and forth. You know, I, when you're younger, all the companies want you to shave the thing off and they want you to grow it back. And then you're trying to grow it back. And 
What a doozy. Yeah, it is. Well, but That's I mean, it's, it's all you got. You know what I'm saying? Like you got a nice <laughs> shoes and accessories and a good bush. I mean, it's all you wear. And the other thing I want to talk to you about really quickly is that you got, um, you did a breast reduction, right? You took out, did you take out implants altogether or just a smaller size? Well, there's a little bit of both and something that I'm dealing with similarly right now. I'd like to do a little PSA. Hit me with it. Everyone out there, uh, keep in mind that most of our healthcare workers have been vaccinated. So if there's appointments that you've been procrastinating, make sure that you get them done because you're, you're seeing an uptick in the stages of something maybe being fine because somebody didn't go. So that's where the breast thing comes in. I'm one of those women that doesn't really pass uh, easily. Then I go in for the ground, big deal. I had some lumps in 2014, did the biopsies, had to have them removed. So I did all of that at the same time. I had those lumps removed. I had my implant plants made a smaller. Um, I did all of this reconstruction, right? Now here I am, flash forward after COVID, I'm dealing with the same thing. I find more lumps. I tell the lady I'm not going to pass this mammogram. Then we go to the song. Then I go to the biopsy. The biopsy is traumatic, but I have something I have to have removed. It's not harmful to me, but this is going to be something in my life. It's like fibroids, right? Some women have something. And look, if it comes to the point later on in life where I'm like, I don't want to go through this every couple of years, having surgery, whatever, I have been very generous with my breasts to the world. So I would not feel bad about making this choice of saying we're done with each other. But for right now, I'm just chipping away at it. And so it was a health decision to go smaller. But then at the same time, I just have this issue. No, it is. It does run in my family. So there is that. Um, but I eat and live a very healthy life. So I'm at very little. You look amazing. I mean, for you, you said you're turning 49 in May. You look incredible. What do you do to like maintain this energy? And like we were talking earlier on, it's like, you don't stop working. You work in, I mean, from doing, I mean, the career that we just spoke about to getting into radio, to doing, uh, to doing sports fantasy, all that. I mean, you don't stop hustling. How do you maintain that? What's your secret? I eat a plant-based diet, which is not for everybody, but it's really been great for me. Um, I really focus on my bedtime and my recovery. So I'm pretty ritual. I'm kind of like that old person that ideally would like to be like, close to ready for bed by nine. I do the whole shower ritual, candle, lavender on the wrist. This whole thing happens. My phone no longer matters. It does make a difference. I like getting up early. And even when I try to sleep those same amount of hours, but I see it up later and I try and make up, it's not the same. So it's about, and then also I work out at least five days a week and I try to do seven by whether I'm taking a walk or hopping on a city bike or something, but I'm just active. And, um, it really helps me kind of stay focused on all the things that I'm doing. I love working out first thing in the morning, you know, just get it done. Uh, but then again, I love going for a bike ride late in the afternoon. I have access to a basketball court and swimming pool, indoor pool. So I shoot hoops about three times a week and swim two or three times nice. a week. Okay. So with all the gigs that you're doing, uh, I mean, you have your own podcast, Lisa Ann experience. Uh, and then you obviously are working for Sirius XM. You've got a million different fantasy things you're doing there. What is your dream gig in the sports world? Cause that was something you always kind of wanted to do, right. Was to get into sports, be a sports reporter or some capacity, whatever, what, what's your dream gig? You know, I kind of like staying on radio. You don't really have to be as obsessive about what you look like. And when you do have to do a couple social media things, you can plan for it. I have no desire to be forced in front of a camera to be analyzed every day. Like it's a tough one, you know? And so I really love what I'm doing. I cover sometimes for a morning show on Mad Dog. And there's something about morning drive. 
I love. I mean, that's a sweet spot really, in radio, right? Like that's where like the money. Yeah. Also, you connect with your listeners and also you're done with your day by like 10 a.m. And like when I cover for them, I go to bed at 8 p.m. I get up at 3 a.m. I watch the late night NBA games in the morning when I'm like drinking my coffee. Like, it's a weird rotation to live on, but I really enjoy it. Um, so maybe mornings, but you know, I'm pretty comfortable with where I'm at. Like, I feel like at this point, at this age in my life, I just know that when things are meant to land, they're going to, I'm around the right people. I trust the right people I interact with and I'm more patient than I've ever been. So I just enjoy each day and each project and say, when something different comes around, we'll evaluate them. Listen, I have loved talking to you. I could turn this into a three-hour podcast and Rogan style it and ask you a million more questions. Uh, But I know you're a busy woman. You've got a million different things to do. I really appreciate you taking the time to like hang out with me and have this cool conversation. You're a badass chick. Thank you so much. I feel like if I was a baseball player, my walk-up music would be Meg the Stallion, Savage (laughs) for sure. Um, The Beyonce remix or no? No, no, no. Just the original. Um, And yes, I would love to stay with you, but I have to plan my death. Remember, I've got to go and work on the will. Um, Are you having a boy or a girl? I'm having a girl. And what is your due date? June 11th. Oh, so you're looking to potentially have a Gemini. Yeah. I actually just bought a little like Gemini necklace that I've been wearing. I'm like, okay, I'm getting ready for her. She's going to be here soon. I love this so much. I will be looking forward to following you on Facebook and hopefully seeing photos and staying connected. And listen, you know, maybe I throw the baby in the will. There's always a little bit extra going right now. I'm like, can I have a side list? You know, I have a little add on. So long as she's not a little jerk, but I think she'll be good. I'll I'll do my best to keep her in line. Fine. I didn't have children because I was such a horrible child. I was such a hellion and I just couldn't endure that. So here I sit. I'll, 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 I'll spoil your child. Perfect. We will stay connected when the world opens up. Let's meet in person. Please. This was like our Zoom date. I think it went great. I feel like we would get on swimmingly in real life. So when I get to New York or you happen to show up in Vegas, either way, it's oh, happening. Oh, you're in Vegas? Yeah. Oh, that's easy. I visit friends in Vegas all the time. I can Perfect. see you in Vegas. That's easy. Done. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right, guys, there you have it. I told you it was a good conversation. I was not lying. This was so much fun. I would love to have her back on. She's working on another book, as we said, uh, also working on her will, which is a weird thing to talk to somebody about putting together your will. But again, she is an open book, that lady. So she will have to be a repeat guest on this show, 100%. She's great. I hope that you guys enjoyed this episode of Oral Sessions. I feel like we really did the name of this show right today with this episode. Everyone gave me shit for naming this show Oral Sessions. Well, guess what? Suck on this. We brought on a porn star. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) Anyways, thank you to Lisa Ann for coming on. See you down the road. I'm going to send you my cookbook. You can send me your book. We're starting a book club. This is what we're doing here. And guys, this is a part of the podcast where I remind you where to follow and like and subscribe and share and all of that good stuff. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Renee Paquette. You can follow um, the Volume Network at The Volume Sports. That is also both on Twitter and on Instagram. We have a YouTube channel where you can see all of these interviews. There's clips of them, but also a few days after we air the audio, we do release the full video length version on YouTube. If that's how you prefer to enjoy your content. I like that. I like to be able to see people interact a little bit. 
So check that all out. Just search my name, Renee Paquette on YouTube. You will find that. Hit that subscribe button. Don't miss out because we are really cranking out lots of content on there and you don't want to miss any of it. Get in there, share it, tell everyone about it, make us more popular on the internets. Thank you. Bye.